Cause the war won't really start, he said, till the last one's out. Free Association, Damon and Naomi have a new record out. It's called a Sky Record, and I played the track Between the Wars. And I'm pleased to welcome them back to this show. Thanks for being on here. Thank you, Brian. Thanks Great for having here. us again. Sure. Well, I, I love to start off with just, and we were talking about this a little bit when you joined, was was what we were doing during, what did you do during the lockdown? And I think the last time I... I, you were on the show is you had your book, The New Analog, which is an amazing book on on music and the shift from digital to analog. And and since then, you put out what I think is one of the great podcasts on on music, which is Ways of Hearing, which is so people really ought to check that out. The production Thank is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, the sound design is by sound someone local here in Boston, Ian Koss. Yeah, he's, he's oh, okay. Wow. Absolutely brilliant. He, he did a great job on that. And then, and then Naomi, I've been watching some of the videos you've been doing and all the great photos and everything. And so it, it looks like you two have been busy, but, but how did you, uh, first of all, the, the Kurihara, the, the guitar playing on this, the sounds is so beautiful. And I'm curious how, I read a little bit about this in the, in the book, but how did you, um, how did you handle this in the pandemic? Did he, did he put down tracks first and then you came back to Cambridge and overdubbed or how did that? How did that whole thing work out? Well, we started the record before the pandemic. We were working on it in 2019. And um, for family reasons, hasn't been able to leave Japan very much in the last few years. So we actually um, had some shows in Japan at the end of 2019. And so we planned to bring the tracks, uh, the basic tracks over to Tokyo and have him record with us there and put his guitar tracks down. Yeah, so that, so that was, was the first that time. Was, yeah, that was November 2019. And we went to 
his favorite studio in Tokyo, which is called Peace Music, where he's recorded many times as a wonderful engineer, Nakamura, who owns it and runs the board. And so Kurohara got to, to record his overdubs uh, there with his equipment in Japan and with an engineer who knew him really well. It was a very, very comfortable situation. And Great. so then we came home with those tracks, um, not knowing that we wouldn't be able to leave home again for we don't know when. So um, we were, when the pandemic hit, we were at home um, overdubbing. That, that was the plan. Yeah, we so, thought we were going to finish the record in early 2020 and have it out in the fall. You know, we had all these ideas, have it out in the fall of 2020 and go on tour. And, right. Well, you know, <laughs> a lot of things didn't happen that that year so um but we were lucky that we had been able to have that studio time with kurohara in tokyo and then we took the the lockdown time to kind of pull the rest of the record together probably more slowly because of of the lockdown and because of all that and are you recording there time. yeah are you recording there in cambridge at your place are you recording yes. like vocals and 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 I read somewhere that you recorded drums there too, Damon? Is that mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah, we've always recorded. We've been recording at home since '96 um, or something like that, and um, we we've always just done it this way in the house. Uh, the equipment has changed over the years, and I hope our my knowledge as an engineer, because I I engineer, has gotten a little better. But but it's very much. We have, a, we have thick, thick, heavy walls in our building, and um, for the most part, we've had pretty tolerant neighbors, and mm. we try and, you know, keep things. Uh, we try and be thoughtful about it, but we do. That said, we do play drums and amps in our house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not playing. You're not really playing heavy drums in in the second floor apartment in Cambridge. <laughs> you know. Well, uh, you know, we are. <laughs> you are really. I don't. I don't really well, hear I mean, that. I mean, I don't, I don't hear that on the record. It sounds pretty, oh, oh, but oh, I guess yeah, I you are. You yeah. Oh, well, no, I guess, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no John Bonham, no. but, um, but it is, you know, it is a full drum kit and a lot of cymbals and, oh, wow. and, you know, you have to, you have to play when you play to make it sound right. So, yeah. so it is sometimes really playing, wow. but uh, of course, an irony of that is we tend to record really late at night because that's when the traffic stops because we can hear traffic. Sure. The and, yeah, because um, it's just our, we just recorded in our living room and we have a sort of a, a study that's attached to it and we just use those rooms. So it's not like we have a very well isolated space. No, we have to turn the furnace off um, because the vibrations come through from the basement. And um, so when we have to winter, wait till the, the, you have to make sure the mailman has come already because when he comes, he slams the door slams and it's really heavy and you hear it go <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we've lost takes to all these things. Obviously, that's how we learned. And um, passing traffic, of course, is the is probably the biggest thing. But at night is when it's quietest, of course, and um, least chance of street noise sneaking on the tracks. But there's probably street noise all over them, uh, hidden back there. But but you know, um, but that's been the atmosphere of our records going all the way back. Kurohara has usually uh, all the records we've made together, uh, which is many now. Uh, has also recorded in our house. We have an amp that we keep for him that he's set up to his specifications. 
And um, that's what he usually records our records on and tours when we're playing over here. But, um, wow. but this time we got, he got to play on his, his amp at home and um, which was a really a kind of a treat for him actually to use any, any effects box he wanted that he has because normally he has to sort of plan very carefully what he can bring on the airplane and arrive at our house ready to go. Right. Right. So, so it sounds like you, you were, you two were, were really doing the home recording thing before <laughs> a lot of people like me were forced to do it when the mm. pandemic hit, you know, I had to figure uh, out how to record, how to record, you know, trumpet here and harmonium and do vocals. Oh, right. And I had to figure that whole thing up. So you guys are yeah. way ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we were, we were, we were set up to, to do that. And Great. I mean, I think for us, um, because we've always worked from home, you know, that part was easier on us than I think on a lot of people that weren't used to that kind of rhythm. Right. Yeah. There, I mean, the, the, strangely, the pandemic, I mean, the beginning was not an interruption to our, to our normal work life because uh, we had planned as it, as it happened to be home during that, those first months um, and doing exactly what we did, which was just be recording at home. So that was no problem. Uh, the problem was that then it didn't stop, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. A bunch of other problems right. too. Yeah, yeah but that. but we were but you know we're very comfortable working from home. We have we have for years and years. I mean, the, we stopped recording. We well, I should put the in the positive direction. We started recording ourselves um, when we decided um, it was the record we made called Playback Singers. So that's way back, and we had stopped working with the producer Kramer who did all the Galaxy 500 records and then did right. our first two duo albums. And things were rough with Kramer at that moment. And so we decided maybe we better just teach ourselves. So that's what we did. We got it at back then it was ADAT, which nobody remembers now as a format. It was eight track on a VHS tape, believe it or not. Wow. And we, we bought one of those machines. It, so we it's not even tracks. convenient to store. There's nothing convenient about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still moving those boxes of tapes around. So um, we bought eight tracks because uh, it was suddenly affordable to have a digital eight track on VHS tape. I mean, the tapes themselves were very cheap. It was literally VHS tape, and um, and so we made that album on on one eight at Playback Singers. Then the next one we got a second eight at, and we made sixteen track and. Next, when we got a third ADAT, we made 24 track, lo and behold, in our house. And at that point, ADAT, we hit the limit of ADAT technology at that point. Um, that was the record we made with, with Ghost. Um, 24 track on three linked ADATs. Not a system that is recommended or has lasted, obviously. And then we switched to hard drive. And um, we've been doing that ever since. But Anyway, so, that, so we've been at home that whole time. We made all our biggest home recording mistakes in uh, 1996 and seven. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to figure it out. But you're, you're, you're right about the drums, because I remember recording with, with our drummer, Gavin McCarthy, and, mm -hmm. and the engineer was like, it was a ballad. You know, he was recording on a ballad of, of and, and, and engineers, why are you playing so loud? He's boom, 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 yeah. boom. And Gavin was like, look, you need a signal, right? I don't care if it's about or how slow it is. You need a signal. 
So yeah. I, I guess even in a situation like this where you're playing, everything's pretty slow. You still have to, you still have to play. And it changes yeah. the tone too, right? It changes, it changes the tone. The tone right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do hit. I do have a range of dynamics on the drums. I do play them very lightly sometimes, and there are tracks on this record. There's one that's with chopsticks. I mean, I I, I do I do play very lightly sometimes, mm -hmm. but I also do hit for real. Um, uh, at certain moments on this record, like on all of them. And it does, it just really changes. It changes the tone and also your physical, you know, the, the way your body moves with the, with, the, with the feel of the song is different when you're playing lightly and heavy. Right. And I definitely want to always be using both. So there were moments when I was really whacking the drums right. here, and, here and there. And the neighbors are, are cool with that's great. You got great neighbors. Don't don't leave yeah. that place. Well, well, I hope they don't <laughs> listen to ZBC. Maybe they, don't, they won't find. <laughs> I, you know what? I pretty much I'm sure they don't listen to. ZBC. I'm sure they don't either. <laughs> the ones that we might have to worry about. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Well, how did you? So let me ask you a technical question. How do you overdub drums? Oh, that is a great technical question that has no good answer. It's a nightmare is the answer. <laughs> so, yes, but we have been doing this again. Um, that it's goes not all so easy overdub overdubbing bass either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think well, it's, we sort of we sort of memorize the weird parts in the tracks because we don't use um, we don't use a click track, which maybe you have figured out already just by listening to our records. Um, but we, I think we sort of memorize the weird parts in the song so that then you, you actually can play with it. Yeah, you have to That's kind of, so our, our, our version of basic track, instead of being bass and drums, which would be a normal, more right. normal. That's normal, track, yeah. <laughs> um, our version of a basic track is acoustic guitar and keyboard, which is really kooky for a band that that is made up of a bass player and a drummer. But that, that, is, that is what we've developed. Well, it's, sort of, it's chordal, it's basic tracks quarterly yeah harmonic right. it's harmonic basic tracks and i keep time on the acoustic guitar kind of in a percussive way and that's our basic track and then and this goes all the way back to when we started with kramer making records as damon and naomi our first one was more sad hits with kramer yeah, you can't we did just it put, the same way you can't put if you're just going to be two people you can't just play bass and drum and Play you song. need a guide like, a guide track with vocals typically the singer will put a guide track down so you don't have yeah, that something so, i yeah right. i mean you know we, we or we, you, get, you know a guitar a rhythm guitar right, right. Like a, no that's or, true yeah i mean so at least far, I mean, the bass maybe, maybe sly and robbie could do it i don't know but we've never been able like when we try and we, we have tried it's just a total mess we get lost we don't know where we are and there's kind of nobody nobody guiding it um, harmonically at that point. So this is what we figured out going all the way back to our first records with Kramer. We came in with the songs, which meant we came in with chords and a melody and put that down. And then we had to figure out how to do the rest in the studio. So then we listened back and we, as Naomi was saying, we kind of memorized the way that we played the basic tracks on, on the harmonic instruments. And then Naomi puts down the bass, and that's the key. Ah, uh, okay. She puts down the bass. I cannot put down the drums until she's put down right. the bass. Right. So I follow her bass part. 
So the first step is Naomi has to listen and memorize the time that we've already done and then put down a brilliant The weird parts. Yeah. (laughs) But it all hangs off the bass. Our music always hung off the bass, really. Going back to Galaxy Pepper, it always hung off the bass. I I don't know. That's your theory. (laughs) Well, well, from the drum seat, that's the way it is, yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's great. How was Rick? So did you figure out a way that you felt comfortable recording at home? Trumpets, yeah, trumpets loud. Yeah, it's loud. I have the same problem with with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my but I'm I'm in a I'm in a, a single family house in Arlington, so it's the people across the street and it's the people next door. Right. <laughs> but um, but I I figured out a way to do it. I have um a focus right, and then I have Pro Tools. I learned Pro Tools, a very basic, mm-hmm. and I also learned GarageBand, and I've got a, a just a real um a condenser mic that I use for everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just about um, mic, you know, how distance from the mic is what I learned mm-hmm. is really what it's about. And but at the longest time, it just took me to fig- just to figure out how how Pro Tools was able how to record and how to how to do multiple takes and all that. That was the learning curve for me. Yeah. Um, totally. And I'm it's I'm not, always yeah. overdubbing. I'm not I'm not doing any. I'm just overdubbing on tracks. I'm not doing anything like starting basic tracks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really complicated though. It does it's not intuitive and I think everyone has to just try it themselves to figure it out. It doesn't seem like Yeah. You watch know, YouTube about, and yeah, figure it out. Yeah. But there's something about digital that there's just there's always some issue to your particular setup that's right. different. Um, that's right. You know, so the thing that drives me nuts which I've written about is latency. So the delay in time that can happen from the machines themselves. And that drives me nuts uh, because I'm a drummer. And um, so that's one thing I've spent a lot of time getting rid of in our system. And it has to do with like adjusting all the timing in the system to make sure that um, the inherent delay built in these, in these software and hardware combinations doesn't turn, translate into a delay in anybody's playing. And that, that's tricky. That's crucial that's really, for drums. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I imagine that would be a ma- major challenge. Yeah, for me, it's, it's really, not an issue, it's like, but yeah. yeah, it's really tricky. Right. right. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention about this record that's so cool is the, is the, the, the book. And I, I want to say, I want to say um, booklet, but if people aren't, when people think booklet, they think CD booklet. It's not, it's not <laughs> what it is. It's a, it's like a magazine almost or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, and I, it, 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 it sort of harkens back to the book and record days, you know, cause I, I love, I grew up on book and records mm. and, you know, you would kind of, even as a kid, you know, when you, when you hear Tinkerbell, you know, make this sound, turn the page, you know, oh, <laughs> or just follow along. Oh, I didn't have yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a, like a, a, a Bing or something to. I still have a turn? lot of these, like, like really? this one, like this one here. Um, oh my God. Alice in yeah, Wonderland. Alice That's in Wonderland. Yeah. And it's a little. You know when to turn the page when you hear some sound or something like that. Is there? Oh. Is it a flexi disc or is it like a proper it's a, record? In it? No, it's a it's a it's a it's a record. You you open it up and it oh, has the record beautiful. the record inside. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so yeah. great. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of them. But I just thought, you know, and and what a great idea to have all these great essays in the in the book that give you all this context around the recording. Cause we talked about this last time when you were here talking about your book, the new analog was we some, we somehow we lost the context now with mm. digital, but this book gives us so much context around, mm-hmm. you know, 
the the beginning of the the record and what the record means and and what the title means um it's yeah, just it was such really a great fun idea to put together yeah, yeah. and I'm was really that glad we did it. was that a, a a response to vinyl being so difficult to um to to manufacture now the long lead times and absolutely yeah. absolutely because we realized you know after um getting you know finally getting everything together and and getting ready to put this out in the middle of this chaotic crazy new world that we're all in um that it was going to come out digital only and because uh, the lead time for doing an lp is so so long and it was sort of this crazy feeling of like it's just it's going there's nothing it's not going to be anything like there's nothing there it's just it's in the <laughs> where's ether. the tangible yeah yeah and so we were talking about it and and damon was actually explaining to me about like you know why the why lps are so delayed now and all the backlogs and all the different ways and how the pressing plants just can't keep up and i was saying well that's so weird because other types of printers are just you know they're fine and if you were printing a book you could just do it and get it right back and then we sort of were like hey we know how to make a book and, oh, well what if we like made a book and then we said well what would it be and then we just started talking about it and sort of the dream liner notes where you get to you know have the lyrics but also tell the whole story the whole backstory of the record and then once yeah. we just started doing it it just and that became a really fun project especially in the whole lockdown which was sort of another reason to reach out and be working with people on something together um you know even though we were all so far apart right yeah, it's I, kind of like the uh, box set um version of liner notes you know it was really funny because it's like straight to box set because <laughs> you never get to right. do such a lavish book we would never get to do that if if we were able to make an lp on time we yeah, wouldn't we have would never able, have thought we of, have of well, we need a 48 page. Put a 48 page insert. Page like, yeah, you have to be like George Harrison making, you know, all things must pass, like make a book of like that. <laughs> but once you took the vinyl out, um, we could afford to do it. It basically cost about the same as making a normal record. Oh, yeah. And um, so we just thought, okay, let's go to town and make the kind of dream, the dream book of liner notes that you would put in the big lavish you know, package. Right. And tell me about the photographer. Those photographs of that uh, that that city in Japan are so beautiful and desolate. Mm. Do you is she a friend of yours who lives in Japan or no, she's a um a very, very old friend who lives in Hoboken, New Jersey, actually. Oh, okay. Um Suzanne Sasek. And she's actually an amazingly talented um lighting designer and uh set designer for rock bands. Um, and so we've known her for years. I think we met her in the late eighties when she was working with Sonic Youth. And, um, so we've just been friends for years and she's, uh, loves Japan. And when we said we were going on tour, she, we invited her to come with us because, you know, she had some time off from working and, um, we just thought it would be fun. So she came on tour with us. So the actually the, the photograph on the cover and the whole portfolio 
of photographs that she took are from this one city called Suruga, where we played uh, a festival show. And so we were off, oh, um, nice. you know, doing sound check and stuff. And she was wandering around taking these fantastic pictures in this very haunted place. Great. Because yeah, Suzanne wasn't working on the tour. She just came to hang out with us and travel. It was so fun. Oh, and, yeah, um, no, I mean, she does, she does uh, lighting for, you know, much, like much stadiums and theaters. Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> much bigger bands. <laughs> no, like REM and you too. Wow, Saint Vincent and yeah. Beck and you know. So, so, so um, but Suzanne was hanging out and travel with us. It was we had a wonderful tour. It was a really special time. And but then she's a she's a wonderful photographer and has a great eye mm-hmm. and a great sense of style. And so it was, uh, I think. Those are very special photos because the place was unique, but she captured it in such a lovely way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fits so well with the music. Um, I want to play play a track here. If you're both st- still dialed into the mm-hmm. stream, let me let me yeah. play this track and see if you recognize. So this is this is a sky record <laughs> and it's cluster and eno yeah from uh late 70s i love and, this album yeah it's so great and you know what's what's interesting is i didn't i had completely forgotten about this record label until i got your book really I mean, I, I, that's I, so fun it's so cool. <laughs> and, I, and since i got your book i went on this massive deep dive and i i just i can't get enough of this stuff and i in your book you said something like yeah put on a sky record and Mm -hmm. it it is so great you know because i i play it while i'm at while i'm working because i don't want to hear vocals Mm -hmm. sometimes if i'm right right concentrate and most of the most of the records are instrumental and i put it right back here i just you know i i'll put it on um i'll stream it you know through here but yeah. you, were, you, so were, great. you were saying that you you were in berlin and and you would find these records for a dollar and so yeah can you they talk were about just, that? yeah they're just everywhere like literally in the dollar bins well, we and... didn't know the label before 
Damon started seeing them that time in Berlin. Did we? Did you know about the label before? No, I knew a couple of the albums that were on it, but I hadn't, like the Eno ones, but I hadn't um, sort of identified the label as, a, as, a, as you know, a, an aesthetic or as a series. Um, it grew out of that label, German label called Brain, which is better known actually. Um, but it was sort of an offshoot from that group of people. And they're all recorded in the countryside, more or less, I think all of them, by Connie Plank and his um, studio that he built in the country. There's a great documentary about that if you ever go uh, searching around online. Oh, I and, didn't know uh, that. They, they all recorded the, in, the same, in the same countryside? Almost all of them are. Wow. I, think that, I think that Harmonia people also had their own studio as well. But when you see Connie Plank as the engineer, those are all done in his studio that he built up in those years. And there's a good documentary about him where you see the studio and it's really in the countryside. So I think that has something to do with the mood cast by all these records, which they're very, um, they're peaceful in this certain kind of way. They're sort of pastoral, even though they're electronic or electric guitar and drums. Like I love the Michael Roeder ones with uh, Jackie Liebitzide as the drummer from Cannes. Uh, those are beautiful duet records. In any case, yeah, we were in Berlin and I was record shopping, uh, which is like normal for me. But for whatever reason, I just started stumbling on all these records. And I was and actually I, I was actually busy because I was making a music video for Richard Young's in Berlin. Oh yeah, that's why I was actually was wandering around by myself going to record stores. Yeah, it was like see you in sixteen hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was wandering around. Went to flea markets and I went to used record stores, of course, and. I just started seeing more and more and more of these. And I, you know, realized um, the, they're, they're just really cheap. They're, they're just very plentiful and sort of overlooked. It's like everybody must be like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. Probably like, everyone has them, right? Everyone has <laughs> them or they're just in the bin. You know, it was reminding me of like in Cambridge, you'll see all those folk records from the 60s just cheap and often in dollar bins like Jim Queskin or, you know. Um, yeah, I got the Looney Tune at the Looney. Remember the Looney Tunes? I got sure. the Jim Queskin Jug Band for a dollar. I still have yeah, that. Exactly. All exactly. Those, it, and it, you're nailing something here, which is depending on the city you live in, yeah. the, mm -hmm. that that community, you're, or they're just going to be in the dollar bin. But if you try to get a Sky Record vinyl here, it would be, you know, 20, yeah, no, 40 bucks. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be on Discogs trying to find them at that point. Yeah, I've, I've always noticed like when you travel around the country here on tour, um, you know, the dollar bins shift a lot. Actually, the expensive records tend to say kind of the same everywhere, yeah, you know, right. especially post-internet. Um, but <clears throat> the dollar bins really radically change. And um, that was what was going on in Berlin. It was just like these sky records were literally dumped in the dollar bins. So wow. I grabbed them all without really knowing what they all were, except for the names I recognized and brought them home. And... Um, then we this was a few years ago and we just got really into them but they cast a real certain mood of course they are instrumental as you're saying and we're not but we sort of gave ourselves this little assignment which was kind of well, what if we made a sky record like what if we were making a set of songs like we always do but we knew that it was going to come out on sky or we were sending it to sky right. you know it's like a demo tape it was sort like, of like what? how do we channel that mood that that vibe yeah, that we right. really appreciate because the records really spoke to us. They 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 really cast such a great mood, and we also found them incredibly comforting. 
Um, because, you know, as we started making this record, it, it was, you know, Donald Trump was still in office and we just felt like there was, you know, pre-pandemic even, there was just so, so much right. chaos and strife. And um, we, we sort of set out as we started thinking about this new record, how can we make a record that will have more of some of this atmosphere that we're listening to and taking so much pleasure in from these Sky records? Yeah, I, I yeah. also love this Michael Rother record. Mm -hmm. um, I can't, I, I, it's, yeah, this is really beautiful. This is off of his yeah. record, Stern Taylor. Oh his, yeah, I love yeah. it, yeah. 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 It's so great, right? It's such a beautiful album. Yeah, I mean, these Michael, I, yeah, and those. It's my favorite so we, one, I think. Yeah. 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 There's three of his I particularly love. This one, the one called Katsu Music, and um, what's the third title? Oh, Flamende Herzen, Flaming Hearts. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that those, one. Those are oh. all great. Oh, They're wow. all made like back to back with Jackie Leavitt's side on the drums. Yeah, if you haven't heard that, you'll enjoy those. You'll love them. They're just beautiful. Yeah, those records and those, of course, um, Kurohara really likes too. So we immediately, when we made this discovery, we told Kurohara about them. Like, do you know these oh, Michael yeah. Rota records? And he went out and found them in Japan for himself because um, we recommended them. And then so he was enjoying them too. So it became this sort of like thing, a touchstone for the mood of this recording. Um, you know, let's think about that. Right. And, and we then had, we got we there. To piece music and it turned out that nakamura had once worked with michael rotor which was amazing oh wow really <laughs> wow that's great yeah and we had um a sky record as sort of the, the working title like sort of as a you know way to remember that this was um what we wanted to evoke and then we just kept it 
Yeah, right. it was the name of the folder on the computer for the longest time, you know. And then and you just then, called it, yeah. Yeah, finally it was like, no, no, that is what this is. That, like that was that was the concept from the beginning. Well, and um, yeah. you know, and in the end, we felt like, you know, it it did represent what we were after, but I think it also did represent the the music we came up with in the end, like some some aspect of it. Yeah, I'd like to let's play another another track off of this, which is "Oceans in Between." And I'd love to, um, after we play it, maybe you could talk about um, talk about it in, um, in some detail. Let me cue this track up. Damon and Naomi are here. We're talking about their new record. It's called A Sky Record. And this is Oceans in Between. You're listening to Free Association on WZBC.
Damon and Naomi are here. We're listening to their new record, Sky Record, and that was Oceans in Between. I was just saying how how great his guitar sounds are on that. Mm, beautiful. So he had he had overdubbed to you and Naomi, you and Naomi mm-hmm. on, on on guitar and keyboard. Yeah, okay. all he had and he had a guide right. vocal with a melody, no lyric yet. And right. he had so kind of you know la la la, and he had um, the rhythm acoustic guitar track. And a keyboard track. That was all I had. And no bass. But you have no kind bass. of have that on the keyboard, but you kind of have that. Mm-hmm. But no Hopefully. bass. That, no drums. No, but, no. no, but then what was especially important to him was he wanted to know the mood of each song and what it was going to be about lyrically, even if we hadn't written the lyrics. So wow. That was always very important to, to Curry. Um, to, I think he it's almost like he feels like in some way he's illustrating or heightening whatever the emotional um, atmosphere of the song is with his guitar parts. And so he, he always, he, he wants to know the melody, but he also wants to know like, well, what's this about? Like, what's the mood of this? What's, what's this going to be about? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And we, we didn't, we didn't fully know at the time so naomi was was uh giving him instructions and well in I, had, I had some, i had some 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 notes for some places i i thought the lyrics were going to go for for the songs that i wrote the lyrics for and um i think you did you had a little bit too but i elaborated <laughs> yeah. i feel and like then, you did the whole you did all that work <laughs> you were I drawing just, pictures I remember. yeah I just, we were just trying to give him some imagery um and you know say how things were different or like this is like this one is more like the the dawn but that you know we were i think one of the songs we were explaining well it's like we once went up to um to me, actually, it's the one Cadillac Mountain, right? Um, yeah. Uh, that's in the lyric, and it was like we went up to Cadillac Mountain, which is the earliest place the sun touches the East Coast. Right and, in Acadia. Right, mm-hmm. and how we went up right. there, and how it's like dark and it's freezing, and you're like, oh my god, like why are we went up at dawn? We here we went up at dawn. Right. At dawn, right, and then all of a sudden you start hearing the birds before you, any light you see any light and then all of a sudden there's this incredible like sunrise comes over and the birds are just so loud and it's and it was fantastic so we're like okay that's what that song's about <laughs> okay <laughs> that, that that became the song called how i came to photograph clouds that's a next to last track on the album oh we should play that too yeah. now that you've so, painted such a great picture yeah so yeah, yeah. naomi would would give him these images. Some of the lyrics, I mean, at least I'll speak for myself. I wrote some of my lyrics based on the images Naomi gave Corey in the studio in Japan about the mood of the song, because I was like, okay, I got to go with this mood, you know? And um, so it became like a, like a, you know, filling in the blanks. We tend to each, we write the lyrics for the songs we sing. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, between oceans in between sounds, it's very much to me, it, 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 it hit home because, you know, during the pandemic where so many of us are so far away, I haven't seen my parents in three years, you know, I mean, mm, they're right, just yeah. so, I've had friends of mine that I haven't seen in person in, in, in years now. And, 
and and that's the vibe i got so it seemed it seemed like i don't know when you wrote this but it, it certainly seemed like it was you know tailor tailor made for for this time mm -hmm. you know it yeah and actually it it was one of the first lyrics i wrote but it it wasn't it was actually pre-pandemic but it was um actually for Kurhara because we had not been able to see him for years right. or play with him for years. Um, and uh, so it was a similar situation that then happened um, for us all in so many ways in the pandemic, but it, it was something that happened before, but it was not unlike it where it, you know, you have a very dear friend that is so far away and there's just no way that you're going to see them. And for us with Corey, it was also play with him. Sure. Right. Um, because we had, we've recorded with him, but we've also toured with him for years. And it's been a really wonderful uh, relationship and friendship. And uh, we haven't been able to tour with him for years and years either. Yeah. But that's why it started. That's, it was natural to start but, the record with it too, because of that, the way that it fit. Right. Yeah. And then uh, it, it sort of it was sort of prescient in, in some. Yeah. It feels that way. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a, and, and also the, the reading the book and the photographs, you're, you know, there's a sort of desolate beauty to the photographs too. So mm. it, all, it all fits really well. Um, let's, what was the name of that track with the, uh, you, how, the, how I came to photograph clouds? Yeah. I'd love to play that one too. Oh, let's yeah. Play that then you get to you, hear me playing drums loud too. It's, a, it's our that. sleeper rock song yeah. on that on the, on the album. <laughs> Yeah, I think the memory that Naomi was telling Curry about being up on Cadillac Mountain was also about the warmth. That's what I always remember from that time. We went up there pre-dawn. Oh, right. It was so cold. It was so cold there up there in, in the mountain in Maine. And then the sun, you know, goes over the horizon and you actually feel its warmth. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous right. to say because, of course, the sun warms our whole earth. That's how we are alive. But it was like you felt a sunbeam reach you, you know, from all the way across and hit you because you felt the warmth change so suddenly when it, when it appeared. It was just this amazing feeling. Right. So I think it was that we were describing as well. That's great. Damon and Naomi are here. This is Free Association. You're listening to WCBC. years down 
So yeah, let's let's play another track off this. I like the track at the aftertime. I think that'd be a good one to thank you to close on. And I agree. And uh, yeah, thanks again. You're listening to Free Association. Damon and Naomi are here. This is their new record. It's called a Sky Record, and this is the track, the aftertime. <laughs> Is it more? 